One, two, three. Feel free to ping people in. All right, let's see. Are we live? We are live. Hey, everybody, we're live. Nice to see you. Hi, my name is Charlie. Today, we're going to be discussing how to optimize ads inside of iOS 14. Hint, it's actually the same way you're supposed to have been doing it for the last few years. So we're going to get down to three core tenants. Number one is going to be simplification. Number two is going to be removing bad choices. And number three is going to be actually declaring winners and losers, control ads, waiting what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. So anyway, we're going to get down to the bottom of it, demystify a lot of this fear mongering around something that honestly doesn't have any bit of a negative impact that many people are really trying to promote. And let's get down to actually building success so you can have more success and less stress, more confidence and growth and stability inside of your business moving forward with Facebook ads. Once again, hello, my name is Charlie. Nice to see you. Happy Sunday. It's Mother's Day. I hope you're going to honor your moms and dads these days. Let's go. All right. So first, how to optimize your ad account. Now, there are two fundamental pieces here, and I really want to get down to some stuff. So Let's get down to the nitty gritty on actually what optimization really gets to, and then we'll get into the execution pieces. So first off, when we're talking about optimizing, what people are really focusing in on is how we get a, well, some people, not everybody, some people are talking about how do you get to scale your budget? Now, remember, scaling your budget is a uh, flex that is effectively an immature look at what you're doing. You're not worried about scaling your budget. You're worried about scaling your results. If you can scale your results without adding additional budget, you actually get top and bottom line growth for your business. Scaling your budget is a, is a result that is an output of success because your liability is not enough spend because you're leaving too much money on the table. So we're talking about optimization is how do you get more and more efficient? How do you train the Facebook algorithm to understand your business objectives so that the machine learning can actually do work for you? How do you create good employees instead of playing the lottery and being reactionary and creating the same problems that people have been complaining about for months, for weeks, for years, over and over again, because they've been ignoring the core principles of how Facebook as a platform actually works. That's how we're going to get to a lot of this stuff. Now, the number one miss understood biggest gap in the understanding that people have is how you actually make Facebook more efficient. How do you actually get better? Now, what most people try to do, which is a fundamental failure, is they take their winners and they try to just throw as much money as they can at the things that work. This is a fundamental flaw in the system because the reason things are working well generally is because it either A, has a low budget, and remember everybody, your bid in the auction is your budget and your estimated action rate I'm holding up a thing to the camera right now. I, I thought it was great. Jared actually uh, posted this on, on his Instagram as a thing. Um, but anyway, so as you increase your budget, your bid is going to go up. And the reason that your very good ads and your very good audiences are doing so well is also because of the estimated action rate as well as the budget. As soon as you spike the budget, your estimated action rate it will suffer. So your overall average cost is going to go up because you are trying to um, let's just say you are trying to maximize the volume and, and, uh, exposure of your best pieces. Basically you're saying something is working. I'm going to try my best to abuse it and break it. And then you're going to complain about why things aren't working well anymore. And this is just a fundamental flaw in how you actually do things because Facebook, unlike Google, unlike display, unlike programmatic, unlike everything else is an optimized CPM environment. Google built is built around the concept of they want to get people in the system and out of the system as fast as possible. Google's success is very short time on site. They want you to get to Google and then leave as soon as possible. And they do that by you trying to control the user experience and by control 
by working on demand and inventory-based platforms like banner ads display, showing people where they are on the internet, and then also demand because you're already looking for something. Facebook, on the other hand, prioritizes time on site. Facebook prioritizes stickiness and penalizes bounce rate. So because remember, every Facebook ad is a web page, and every web page has click-through rate, bounce rate, stickiness, and they make a lookalike audience of the people that perform well against that web page, which is why targeting audiences in general on Facebook is horrible and you should not do it. And I released a video on YouTube last week about targeting with creative on how you should do things in a way that is actually stable funda and fundamentally just more intrinsic to how the platform actually works. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But remember, if your expert guru or agency says that they're starting to talk about interest groups, lookalikes, and building out a funnel inside of Facebook ads, they don't know what they're talking about. And that that's fine. Everybody has a room to grow, but understand that's also a liability to your success. So when we're talking about trying to do things here, what are we actually trying to do to optimize? And it is simple. So when Facebook sees data inside of it, it is looked at as this giant scatter plot of results, high cost and low cost. If you want to get better, what you do is you remove the high cost options. You remove the bad choices. Basically, you lower the ceiling of actual cost, and that lowers the median uh, sorry, the mean average cost of things, which means that the next time Facebook comes in, because their goal is to deliver you stable, consistent results, if the stable, consistent precedent set is more efficient than the next sale at auto placement, at auto bid, or at lowest cost bid, at broad targeting is going to be more efficient than it was previously. And that's how you get a compounding effect where every ad is creating its own lookalike audience. And you, as you remove bad choices, you get more and more and more efficient because you're not trying to break the things that are broken. You're trying to remove the things that are liabilities. And that's a fundamental shift that most people that I know that really talk about what you're supposed to do in the advertising world, most people that are trying to teach ways out of the problems that they've already created for themselves are not actually fixing. They are fundamentally missing how Facebook works. And that's why I'm really here today to make that happen. So that is the first off, understanding how the platform works. The way that you make things more efficient is you remove high cost options. You remove bad choices. If you remove bad choices, eventually you only have good choices to make. And because there's a compounding effect on machine learning, because you're teaching the platform because it's a machine learning platform, then you are getting better and better results that grow over time. That's what you want things to get easier and easier and more and more efficient, requiring less and less work to get better and better results. That's how Facebook functions. If you use the tool correctly, if you don't use the tool correctly, you're going to get more and more complicated where things are going to be less and less stable. You're going to have lower and lower confidence and you're ultimately going to base most of your success on more and more work and less and less stability, and you're going to face these issues that plague people for years and years and years because they've just chosen to not adopt the best practices. And I'm talking more specifically about like agencies and gurus and experts because the work that done for years around defining how Facebook works in the edge ring system, the OCPM environment and an algorithm have been taught. Like the structure to scale deck was built in 2018 and I'm still seeing most experts and agencies completely reject it. The, the idea around simplified accounts, the power five system, when I was doing that work like four or five years ago to build that stuff, four years ago, 
uh, people are still not adopting these simple core tenants in the platform. So I just want to let you know from the horse's mouth as somebody that was there to try to develop those things, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And if somebody's not telling you this stuff, that's fine. Not everybody needs to, but understand that those that are really at the top that are teaching people how to do things, if they're not teaching this to you, it's because of their willful ignorance of how to apply things. And a lot of times, for me personally, I think it's really, really easy to sell people something sexy and complicated. It's really, really tough to show people that actually if you solve problems by making things simple, if you solve problems by using smarts, by thinking smarter, by working smarter, not working harder, it is going to be more difficult, but the outcome is going to be a lot better. And honestly, like once you teach somebody how to do that, they're not going to come back to you to solve problem after problem after problem, because it's really easy to sell solutions to people after you've created fear. That all being said, that is the first point here is removing bad choices gives you only good choices to make. It's like training a dog. You just reward it when it does well and you penalize it when it does poorly. And we do that by with ad dollars. So the next thing that we need to do to optimize your ads is also understand that it's not generally the ads problem that's going on. There is far, far too much complexity in almost every single ad account that I see almost everybody's trying to solve their problem by complexity. They're trying to build more and more systems to account for more and more information and for more and more business objectives. And the honest truth is you don't even need more than one business objective. Like honestly, your entire ad account can easily get to a million dollars spent a year creative testing around one product. That is absolutely 100% on the table. And if you're trying to promote multiple products or you're trying to account for multiple parts of the funnel, understand that what you're doing is not properly using the machine. You are confusing the machine to put your you put your hard work and the things that you think you should be able to do and the things that you think you should be doing built around a fundamental misunderstanding of how the platform works. And that's getting in your way. So the second piece here is simplicity. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. The more moving parts you have, the less likely it is that you're going to see consistent results. Now that should just make sense. So understand, it's not just about total moving parts. It's also about how many things you're trying to get the platform to do. How many different products are you trying to sell? How many different parts of the funnel are you trying to optimize for? How many different tests are you running? How many pieces do you have that you do not have statistical significance that you're not able to test your way out of? How many moving parts? Are you constantly adjusting at any given time, which means you can't even point to when you have a good day or a bad day where that came from. So instead, you're just trying to adjust giant spinning pots all over the place and really having a trouble. So one of the easiest ways of simplifying is let's simplify the funnel. Do you really need a bunch of different audiences up and down the funnel? There's this fundamental misunderstanding where people say, well, like, well, if I'm only running top of funnel, if I'm only running prospecting, we're only going after impulse buyers. No, Facebook's retargeting people constantly anyway. By the time you actually see a Facebook ad, it might be the fifth time you've, you've actually shown interest in something. By the time you, that you see somebody clicking on your Facebook ad, it might be the fifth. It might be the tenth time that they're actually seeing something from you across multiple platforms. It's also why we don't break out by platform. Now, in addition to all of that, Facebook is looking when it looks at advanced matching, which is something you should turn on part of the power five. Please, please, please adopt the power five principles. It's something that you should have been doing for years. And if you just found out about it today, you're welcome. Check it out. Check out Facebook power five. Google that stuff as soon as we're done here and you're going to be in a better place. So advanced matching basically says Facebook is looking at all the information that's going around for people all over the internet. And based on that traffic, based on their metadata, based on the words that they're using, they're going to try to show you content, which remember, if you listen to what I'm saying here, what you would think that you need an interest group for is actually done by the machine learning. So remember, interest groups are liabilities. They are things that you should not use inside of Facebook ever. You target with your creative and then you let it auto advance matching 
customize the user journey. If you're doing that with interest groups where you're paying extra money to reach people that may or may not actually care about you in a positive way, to restrict the amount of people that your ad wants to see, to ultimately not let that ad get a multiple touch point journey on somebody, you are paying more money to have a worse result that is less stable and ultimately not scalable. So you are creating problems that are limiting your success that for maybe, maybe not a short win. And that comes off of a fundamental misunderstanding, again, of how Facebook works because the people that design how Facebook works back in the day were people that came out of Google and, and programmatic and email and all of these other things because they were adopting their demand and inventory based practices to something that runs off of an algorithm and they just didn't know any better. But it's been over 10 years now. We do know better. There are billions of dollars in case studies that prove that what that thinking is, is 100% a liability inside of the ecosystem. So let's simplify the funnel. Let's actually get down to things that we can do. You don't need retargeting campaigns. Flat out, that is a luxury problem that most people don't need because your Facebook ad account is already doing that. Now, I hear you saying, well, my ad to carts, my, my view contents, my everything else, like those people are ready to buy. Why shouldn't I be targeting them? If you don't exclude them from your prospecting, your prospecting is going to be retargeting them anyway. Let's stop talking about prospecting and retargeting inside of Facebook. Talk about I'm putting the best ads out there in the ecosystem and I'm going to try to focus my ad dollars to get a lower and lower cost. You're not worried about the customer journey because Facebook's doing that for you. Until you are getting to the point, let me tell you this very, very clearly, until you have a 10, 20, 30, $50,000 a day ad spend, there is no need for you to try to outthink and outwork the Facebook algorithm in a way where you need to understand and control the customer journey. That is a luxury problem for people that fundamentally misunderstand the way the platform works until you get to massive, massive scale. If you don't have a seven figure a month budget, then it is a luxury problem you don't need to worry about. I'll be very clear with that and I'll stand behind that anytime. That is the truth about 80% of the time for 80% of the people. Now, there are a few exceptions to the rule, but believe me, you're probably not one of them. Now, that being said, if we simplify the funnel, getting rid of all these things, what you're ultimately doing is you're allowing Facebook inside of your broad audience where you're doing your creative testing to see all the touch points, to reach people on Instagram and on Facebook and in the marketplace and in Messenger, wherever it needs to with any type of messaging that's going to get somebody across. Remember, retargeting as a function of marketing is something that came about in the digital age. It's not something that exists outside of it. Television doesn't have retargeting. Print ads don't have retargeting. Billboards don't have retargeting. You know, uh, nothing else outside of the digital marketing age has it. And it's something that people say, well, I can do it. Why don't I? And it's because you don't need to inside of the Facebook ecosystem because the algorithm is smarter than you are. It is looking at trillions of data points from billions of users across millions of websites 24 hours a day. You're not. And the best that you're going to be able to do is limit your exposure to maximize that effect. Now, let me bring one more point into here of why simplified uh, funnel architecture is good for you. There is not a linear path. When you increase your prospecting spend and you fill your funnel, your retargeting does not grow linearly. It does not mean that if you increase your prospecting by 10%, you can increase your retargeting by 10%. It doesn't work like that. So remember that if you start to build yourself around a multi-stage funnel inside of Facebook ads, you're fundamentally capping your overall ability to succeed because you're only going to win at the level of how much profit your middle and bottom funnel bring you and that's not going to grow at the same rate as you fill the funnel. So you are fundamentally building, you're setting yourself up for a list of problems that you can't solve for. So remember the choices and problems that you have inside of the ecosystem are like, that is up to you. 
You decide what type of problems you want to have. I decide to have problems that I actually can take action on, where I can have insight from my data to make decisions with. And if you're not choosing to do that, then you are making the choice of making Facebook be very difficult, very unstable, and something that is fundamentally limited in its ability to succeed. That, to me, feels like a bad choice. That's just my, you know, my interpretation after a couple hundred million dollars of something you probably shouldn't do. Okay, so if we simplify the funnel and we let our creative testing see the entire funnel, then we're finding the ads that work for people throughout the whole funnel. And yes, some ads might be the something that gets somebody across and some ads might be the thing that gets somebody interested. The UGC content that gets somebody really interested to the site might also be the thing for somebody else that puts them across the finish line. Now you don't have to test for each part of the funnel. You don't have to test for the entire customer journey. Remember, when you're testing your retargeting ads, you're actually retesting the second touch to your prospecting ads. Now what happens when you come up with a new prospecting ad? Well, now your retargeting has to fundamentally shift. So every change you make to one part of the funnel affects all the other parts of the funnel, which also affects what you should be doing on your landing page, which means you now have five or 10 moving parts that you have to keep track of and you do not have the budget, the time, or honestly the bandwidth to be able to truly test and evaluate every single one of those positions. So why set yourself up for failure when you don't need to? You fundamentally don't need to because to get to the other point, if you remove options, if you give Facebook less choices, if you remove the bad choices, if you simplify your architecture and remove the bad choices to get the scatter plot points that are higher cost, less efficiency. And so you're only giving it better choices that are more simple, that are broader. So you're paying a lower CPM and you're prioritizing estimated action rate in the customer journey and actually giving a shit about your customer instead of trying to be smart and force results in a way that is not linear and not scalable and not stable and something that will fundamentally inhibit your growth, then you're probably gonna see more success. The last point that I wanna make here before we get out of it, because I do wanna try to get the lesson in under 20 minutes and we got two and a half minutes left, is wait for your winners. I see so many people say, well, I had something creative testing, it did phenomenal the first four days, so I put it in my control campaign and I, I tried to scale it and it failed. Because four days is not a data point. That is not something that is like enough for you to make a declaration on. And something is not a winner until you can project the outcome with extremely high confidence. I don't declare winners on my creative testing for a week, two weeks sometimes, because you don't need to. If your entire account is built around lowering your average cost by removing bad choices, the system will automatically optimize towards the things that have a higher estimated action rate. And if those things that have a higher estimated action rate are also delivering you more efficiency throughout the funnel, then you keep them there. Don't fix what isn't broken. And you don't need a ton of winners. You need more efficiency. Stop prioritizing the things that are liabilities to your success and start prioritizing those things that are actually going to bring you long-term growth and stability and confidence. And that means fewer moves, wait on your winners, and only really move things once the, where they are as a liability overall success. So if you're just doing creative testing, you're seeing something really do great, my question is, why move it? If it's doing great, why change it? If it's doing phenomenally, the only reason that you need to take it out of that creative testing piece is because it's doing so well, you actually can't creative test anything else, and you've hit a law of diminishing returns on how much success you can see from it. So you need to take that thing out of your creative testing and move it into some other place so that you have an option of finding another stud piece. And honestly, that's going to happen after hundreds or thousands of dollars a day. When you have two or three ads, like I have run $50,000 a day on like three ads in a broad campaign and just let it go because you don't need more than that. The idea that you need more than that, again, comes from old thinking. This is from people that saw their success in email and Google and programmatic. That is old thinking. It does not apply to the Facebook ecosystem. If you can find an ad that works for target audience, 
Then when you're in creative, what you need to do is find other problems to solve with your creative testing. Your creative is the only thing that matters. Your ad is the only thing that matters. Your entire ad account should really honestly just be targeting broad and just solve problems with your creative testing. Everything else is a liability to your success. That's how you optimize ads. The number one way of optimizing ads is stop adopting practices for other platforms that are years or decades old that have no bearing in how you're supposed to succeed on top of Facebook. And I think that's the fundamental thing. That's why I kind of got into it a little bit this weekend with some other people. And that's why I'll continue to stand up for folks that are struggling because they're still being sold solutions to fear mongering by people that are trying to teach you how to do things poorly because they themselves are too proud and or ignorant to learn the lessons that have been taught to them for years. So as the person teaching those lessons, the person that is creating those case studies and defining the best practices with the platform that has seen these other folks reject those best practices, I'm just here to try to help you out directly because we don't need those folks. Honestly, my ultimate goal is to completely disrupt that entire ecosystem. And I'm honestly building something right now so that entry-level employees are going to be far more elite than most ad agencies. So there's a whole other thing there that I'm getting into, but I'm not trying to sell myself. Anyway, the point is here, just to recap, number one, you optimize your account by removing bad choices, not by trying to break the things that are not broken. Number two, simplify your account so you have fewer moving parts. You can throw more data at the things that are working and you're prioritizing lower cost not trying to throw more money at the things that are working and you don't need retargeting. And the third thing is wait on your winners. You don't need to move winners from your testing into your control or your scaling environments. If it's working, just give it more resources. Don't try to break something because you have this demand to try to find more winners. It's not a winner if it's not consistent, if it's not stable, if it's not projectable, if it's not scalable. And if it is projectable, scalable, and stable, why move it? You can continue to invest in it. Only move it when it is now a liability to finding future things and you have found the nth degree that it can reach itself. So that's it. Now, this week's homework, which I try to give homework every week. And if you do the homework, get any of the ebooks for free, and there's 18 of them, um, or you get 50% off the site or the Patreon. So your homework today is simply to tell me which one of these things do you think you're not doing well. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to know. And I really highly encourage you to try to take a look at what am I doing that might not be proper. So are you potentially trying to uh, – or do you have an ad account that's too complex? Are you trying to escalate creative test winners like after a couple days instead of a couple weeks? Are you trying to throw more budget at the things that are working instead of maybe trying to remove budget from things that are failing? Are One of these things that we covered today, are you potentially not doing properly? And there's no nothing wrong with that. Like we all have to learn. Like I learned these lessons soon. You should be really self-aware and encourage, I encourage you to take a real good look at what you might be doing what, right? And what you might be doing wrong. So DM me or comment or anything on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can even hit me up on TikTok because there's some of them there as well. I'm all over the place. Let me know what it is that you're doing that you think doesn't necessarily follow with this path. And if you can identify that place, that area of opportunity, I'll gladly give you 50% off the site, uh, 50% off Patreon, or any of the eBooks for free, including like, with my most popular ebooks right now are the one campaign to rule them all and how to build a winning ad account in 2021. And also the course is there. So if you want 50% off the course, you can just grab that. 
And uh, I'm charging $3 more for my course than somebody else was for a 90-minute podcast around people that honestly have, don't, don't do the work and don't know what they're talking about. So that you can then get a discount to other bad advice for years. So if you want to pay $3 more than that asshole, you can get uh, five hours of in-depth video with lectures and supporting documentation, as well as discounts to uh, ongoing support inside of Slack and a bunch of other things. So anyway, I'm here to try to help you out. I hope that that worked for you. Thank you very much. This is how to optimize ads in iOS 14. If you're on Clubhouse, please raise your hand if you're watching. If you're one of the many, many people watching on Facebook group page or YouTube, please ask your questions. I've got a question here from YouTube and then I will go to Clubhouse because I see Jerry's raising his hand on YouTube. Let's see, we got a minute. We got somebody here. Uh, the name is Hype. All right, I'm, I'm all about it. Hype, um, clearly, um, I'm hype as well. Okay, hi there. If we edit our DCO by removing bad choices, it's under review again. Is there a way how you, this time at nighttime, should we add new proven creatives from testing at the same time? Okay, so I think what Hype is getting at here is when you edit your dynamic creative, it does throw it into the learning phase. Um, it can go under review. And sometimes this means that you lose delivery. So some people choose to do this in times where they're not going to actually be seeing a lot of spend. I stand by that decision. If that's something that you see, you can account for it by doing it through the proper time of day. Totally stand by that. Also, I would make a point of not removing more than one or two elements at a time. Like, do not make sweeping changes. If you cannot point to the net result of every move that you make, then that move being made is a liability to your success. So don't make four changes. You don't need to make two changes. If you make one change and you have a super high confidence that that's going to make a five or 10% difference in your success, make that one thing, see what happens. Then make the next thing and then see what happens. Don't make so many moves that you can't point to why it was good or bad. And I think that's a fundamental issue that a lot of people make is they make 20 moves in a day. And then their ad account does something and then they have no idea what was good and what was bad. Then they point to the reporting and they say, well, well, this was good and this was bad, but they're pointing to the ramifications of their actions, not the cause. So there's a very big difference in trying to say, well, everything keeps bleeding. We just need more band-aids. I mean, like really the problem is you need to stop, you know, sticking your hand in, in a cheese grater. My point is people are solving problems in the wrong way. And if you make one change, then you're going to be able to understand the impact of that change. And if your entire ad account respects that element of fifth grade science class, the scientific method, you're going to be moving with more and more confidence and making less and less moves, working less and less time to see better and better results in a way that makes you feel better. So you're going to see more and more success and less and less stress. You're going to have higher confidence in the decisions that you're making. They're going to have a much better impact on your overall ad account. Um, Oh man, I dropped the pen cap. Let's see. Okay, here we go. So also, uh, Hype has one other part to this um, and says, currently I can't see CPA segmented by dynamic creative. Uh, so making decisions based on recent impressions and spend. Yes. So right now, based around what's going on with Facebook's internally trying to adjust the way that they are representing inside of the UI, the uh, results of things, which is basically just their version of a um, their, their pivot table because they've adjusted the way the data is shown in that pivot table, we're not able to necessarily see the things in the way that we normally would. So if your dynamic creative campaign or ad set is doing well, great. If it's doing poorly, maybe remove the things that have seen the least amount of spend. 
Um, or you can go in there and you can kind of see some other actions. This is a bit of a blind spot right now, and that is really unfortunate. The best thing to do if you want to see success is remove the amount of complexity. So if Facebook is determining that it doesn't want to spend in a certain place, remove that as an option, and then you're at least making the algebra problem have one less variable. The fewer amounts of variables, the more stable the net results because it's going to be easier for Facebook to project the outcome. If you do that, you're going to at least be in a better spot. And remember, you don't necessarily need to optimize something if it's doing well. Sometimes the best way to optimize is just throw some more budget at something that's working or pull budget back from things that aren't working. Shift your budgets. Or if you're in a CBO campaign with several options, if it's working, don't fix it. And I think that's something that a lot of people do. For some reason, they're taught that, hey, this thing is working. I need to break it, which is just doesn't make any sense. I get why they're doing that. But when you tell somebody what they're doing and their reaction is like, that's not a good idea. Like, yeah, but that's the standard practice by a whole bunch of people have no fucking clue what they're doing. So anyway, um, I hope that's helpful hype. Um, but yeah, I, I, if you want to review, the, if you want to make changes on times where you're likely to see less spend, I support that. I understand where you're coming from. I've done that myself. And um, should we add new proven creatives from testing at the same time? I, I would try to not make more than one move at a time. And I would try to not affect multiple parts of your ad account at the same time. So that if you do have this limited spend, if you do have this impact, that it is quarantined in a certain place and don't make moves that aren't necessary. Don't make any moves because you're supposed to make a move because it's what you need to do to make the simplest change in your account to have the highest confidence of a positive result. If you're not doing that, then you're going to have a low confidence for potentially something that might be good. And that's a really rough place to try to manage things for. So anyway, I hope that that helps. Uh, let's see. We got Jared with his hand raised on Clubhouse. So Jared, I'm going to bring you up to the stage. Let's see here. Boom. Is he, is he bringing you up? Come on, Clubhouse. Let's see it. Let's see it. There we go. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good, Charlie. How are you? Okay, I'm gonna along the lines of um, how about DPA ads? What are your thoughts and usage of DPA ads? I love DPA. Honestly, if you have an account with many SKUs, which a lot of brands have a lot of SKUs, and honestly, I have a whole other opinion about that. But if you have a brand with a lot of SKUs, I totally think that you should be using DPA. I love it, especially with retargeting, because it can help you to horizontally scale parts of the funnel by showing people the things that they have intention for. However, you can also do prospecting with it, something that was not originally available, but when we did the alpha and beta for it, we called it DAVA, Dynamic Ads for Broad Audiences. And that's a really great tool that you can use. You're effectively prospecting with it. And big, big brands do this. What I would say is, um, in a matter, in a, in, in, a, in a hope for simplicity, what you could do to start with is run your creative testing full funnel and then run DPA at what we consider broad retargeting, like as high up in the funnel as you can to get a large amount of information, but in a way that delivers you consistent results. And also know that <clears throat> there is a law of diminishing returns with DPA. Like there, it, it, you can deplete that audience. So there is an element where your DPA ads, once they do really well, they can get worse and worse because you've effectively cleared people out. And as your creative testing gets better and better, you're going to be able to rely on DPA. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to rely on DPA nearly as much because your ads are actually converting people already. So the amount of people that are inside of DPA, one might be less, or two, if, it, if the volume of your store has gone up, but your ads are getting better, the people that are still left in the retargeting might be people that 
have already decided they don't want to buy. So understand that while DPA is very powerful, and I definitely think that there's a place for it, there is an impact of improvement at your creative testing abroad and the effectiveness of DPA. And I, I have a weekly call with a with a very nice group of folks, and um, you know, they are scaling to the moon right now in a really awesome place, but their DPA is actually seeing the result of this thing in real time. They are actually seeing this as a creative testing shifts. The reliance on DPA is also shifting because it is an ecosystem. Every part that you have has an effect on something else. And the simply erratic count, the easier it is to identify the impact of one piece on something else, because if there's only three or four moving parts, you're going to be able to understand when I push one thing and something else pulls back, you're going to be able to make understand that relationship. So ultimately, what I would say is, I think it's good. I definitely recommend that people run it. Um, understand that I wouldn't run it unless I can get my creative testing out of the learning phase and I can actually scale or I can actually see stability. And then I can get both elements out of the learning phase so that I can see consistent results that I can rely upon. And that way I have two levers that are both have high confidence in. Um, and so uh, the other side of it is if you're running on a really small account, um, you might just run DPA instead of everything else. And I know people, I've been talking to folks who are like, they only run DPA because they're at only a couple hundred bucks a day and they get traffic sources from other places. And they're just basically letting Facebook DPA kind of close the loop. And they're using that to develop revenue so they can also ultimately afford to begin to use Facebook for creating intent. And honestly, that's sort of a misuse of the tool. But if you don't have the resources to be able to use the tool properly, that doesn't mean that there aren't available ways of using the tool effectively. And properly and effectively often are in line, but there is absolutely a gap. And so I think that there's a time and a place for each tool. Uh, but with that being said, I think if you use it properly, you can be really strong. And I think a lot of people misuse it because, well, they just don't understand how it works and the hyper segment things. Um, so ultimately, I love the tool. Big, big fan of it. I remember when it came out, we were doing stuff for Macy's and we had like 50,000 SKUs. We hired this uh, Australian ad agency to literally just do the Excel paperwork to upload the thing because there wasn't a feed at the time. There wasn't a way of actually doing it. So you had to build your catalog manually. Um, and, and as a result of that beta, now it's everywhere. So um, like, I definitely dig it. I just think that um, understand that when you introduce that, it might have an effect on the rest of your ecosystem. And as you get better and better at your broad full funnel campaigns, it might very well have an impact on the efficiency and the efficacy of that DPA campaign. So monitor the effects. And ultimately what is most important is what is the net result? So I've seen situations very clearly, one's coming to mind, again, the same groups of folks uh, that I talked to once a week, uh, where we, we saw creative testing get less and less effective. And it was good for the account because we saw that those results are coming from places that were actually more efficient. Um, and these are these are things that you know, ultimately happen, like there are moving pieces, so don't take everything for, at face value. Understand across your scrum doc and your entire ecosystem ROAS, what is actually delivering results and where a loss of efficiency might be a good thing because it's giving you more volume to something that is more efficient. Um, so remember, everything doesn't exist. None, none of this stuff exists in isolation. So you have to understand the impact of one piece on something else. So that is an extraordinarily long soliloquy on what was effectively maybe like a five sentence, a five word uh, question. But I hope that that's helpful for you, Derek. Of course, that's kind of what I was assuming what was going to happen. So yes, <laughs> that was beautiful.
Well, I love it, man. Well, thank you very much. Um, next question over here is on YouTube. So this comes from Matthew. So Matthew says, what are you doing on days, weeks that just aren't profitable? Turning off campaigns. Nobody is profitable every day, every week. So just let campaigns run, even if way above CPA this week. So Matthew, what I would focus in on is, yes, it sucks to be burning money. What I would focus in on is how can you prioritize each week being more efficient than the week before? How can you make directional improvement? Directional improvement is far more important than winning days. And I think a lot of people try to maximize the success of winning days. And what that ultimately does is it creates a large amount of instability in your ad account, which means it takes far, far more time and effort to manage properly. So on days that aren't profitable, on weeks that are just tough, what I try to do is see what is a liability to my success? What are the places where I'm either too complex, where I have too many moving parts, where I'm focusing on prioritizing multiple business objectives? Maybe I'm trying to sell three or four different things and one of them is actually profitable and two of them aren't. And also, it's not just about the profitability of the ad. We're not just looking at the ROAS of an ad. Look at the profit margin by product. I can't tell you how many brands really focus on their flagship product where they have the lowest margin and they're struggling to see revenue when they have something else that sells perfectly fine with a much higher margin at sale. So maybe the ROAS is lower, but their net revenue as a business is much, much higher. So focus at the business objectives. A media buyer's job is not to make Facebook look good. And that's a fundamental difference with what a lot of folks say. When you're running with an ad agency, their number one job is to make the person hired and look good to their boss. When you're working inside of a business or when you're a business owner, your number one objective is top or bottom line growth, whatever it is that makes sure that your investors or your bank or the next line of funding that you're dealing or if you're bootstrapped, what your next step is a business, what are those priorities and try to optimize your ad account to reach those things. So ultimately on days or weeks that are not profitable, those are excellent times to really see what is the biggest liability? What are the things that are just getting in the way? Do I need this ad? Do I need this ad set? Do I need this campaign? Do I need promoting this product? Where am I investing where I'm not seeing a consistent result? And then what are the things that are best for me and how do I prioritize solving those problems? That is honestly what I would do in this situation. Um, and I would really, really look at, cause yeah, nobody's profitable all the time, but I would look at directional improvement. How can I remove the amount of options that I have to see better and better results over time? So that ultimately I have more, fewer and fewer moving parts, more and more consistency, higher and higher confidence so that I can have more and more success with less and less stress. That's the type of problem that I want to create for myself because that's the type of problem that's best for me to try to solve. Um, so I hope that that's helpful, Matthew. But again, to kind of you know recap, I'm not turning stuff on and off just because it's having a good day or a bad day. If I'm making a decision, I'm making a decision long term. Think of every ad, every ad set, or every campaign as an employee. Don't invest in an employee that you don't think is going to be around in three months. Invest in employees that are you think are going to be a benefit for your business long term. Facebook is an evergreen marketing channel. Do not focus on short wins. Short wins are long-term liabilities. You can either make a little bit of money now or you can make a lot of money over time. It can either be something that is super stressful for a short return or something that gets easier and easier over time that gets you bigger and bigger benefit. That's the system that I really would love for you to see. And so with that being said, um, if you're going to turn something off, make sure that that's something that you want to turn off and that you don't want to run anymore. 
I'm not saying that you should be spending money where you're losing all the time. I'm saying that take a real hard audit of what you're doing. Take stock of your inventory, right? Like any business owner, go around your store, see what it is that you're actually spending money on that is worthwhile for you and what isn't. And like, if you can get Facebook down to like, what is the one thing that I want you to do really well, then it's going to do that one thing really, really well. And the honest truth is you don't need it to do more than one thing to get to a million dollars a year, to get to $5,000 a day, $10,000 a day. You don't need it to do more than one or two things to make that a comp to, to make that happen. So my, my point is I would definitely take a look at things and see what's working and what's not. But I would also identify what is, what is my primary KPI? Like, what is the number one thing that I need to focus on? And how do, I, how, do, how do I get every decision that I make to be evaluated against success and failure across one item? Until you reach a law of diminishing returns and the inability to make that one thing better with creative, strategic, and tactical decisions, you don't need to get to a second point. And maybe that means that you shrink things down a little bit in complexity right now to the point where you maximize that efficacy. And then you have to get more complicated because you have that luxury problem. That would be where I would go with you, Matthew, is I would try to see how do I create an environment where I have luxury problems? And yeah, so I hope that that makes sense. It seems you say, awesome, thanks. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, that helps, Matthew. And um let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. And remember, uh, because it is Mother's Day, and, and if you did the homework, uh, if you did the homework from this week's live, you can get 50% off the site, the Patreon, or any of the ebooks are free. Matthew, there's a, more than a few ebooks that are really good. And also, the course uh, is, is really built around how to think and plan and strategize your entire ad account to see how to build a winning, successful Facebook ad account this year. And it takes into account the things that we see from iOS 14. It takes into account the things we see from Power 5. It takes into account how you can remove a lot of this noise and nonsense and all these liabilities in people's environments um, to really succeed. And there's an ebook, and it's built off of an ebook. And you can get that ebook for free if you do the homework for this week. Also, um, because it is Mother's Day. So if you're watching this later and you don't see it, that's fine. I want to be honoring it then. But for the week, um, you can go to FacebookDisruptor.com, any item that you want to buy. Uh, discount code is mom and uh, you can get 50% off anything. So go, go, just go make, go, go take some stuff. Um, or you can, you know, join the Patreon, which I think is probably the best thing for your buck. Uh, unless you want to get into the Slack channel or something else, but I'm not here to sell you on stuff. I don't like when people do that. I just wanted to say like, there are really great resources to solve this exact problem for you. And um, the question you are asking me, Matthew, is something that I hear so many times. And that's why I built these resources because I can't answer everybody's question every single time. And a lot of people are afraid to ask. So instead of answering the same question a thousand times, I made an, a resource that allows people to really see success. So um, I, I hope that that's helpful. All right. Uh, remember, if you're in Clubhouse and you want to ask some questions, feel free to raise your hand. I'm here to help you out. Next question comes from Boomy. Hey, Boomy, nice to see you again. He says, I've tried broad targeting. To, uh, dynamic creative testing, one campaign rule them all method still results only last two weeks. The same ads that have been working suddenly stop. CPA jumps from 20 to 180 a whole week with no sale. Boomy, that is, that's tough, man. Okay. So, um, so what I love here is you're trying the broad targeting dynamic creative, uh, and the one campaign rule them all stuff. And you're seeing some early success, but it's ultimately diminished. Okay. So there's two things I would do right away. 
Number one is I would take a look at the ads that are working. And the ads that work, if they do have diminishing returns or if they're short term, I would try to see what do they have in common and maybe that DCT is not covering enough different types of targeting. It's not covering enough different ways of trying to sell the product. If you're always trying to hammer home the same sales pitch, you're ultimately going to run out of people to potentially sell to. Um, also, I would, and I feel like you're out of this, but I'm going to say this for other folks that are that are watching, um, I, is that I would take a look at saying, um, am I out of the learning phase? Do I have do I have consistent results? Am I adjusting other things? Is my account? Is there other pieces inside of my account that are liabilities? With that being said, I love that you're seeing some success. It pains me to know that you're seeing some failures after that, and I really want to address those things. So. One of the things I want to say, so first move is make sure that the ads that you're running inside of the DCT cover different types of sales pitches, right? So we're talking about like moms, ducks, and rodeo clowns. Try to appeal to different groups of people. That way there's a way for Facebook to find a spread and also make sure that you're out of the learning phase. I feel like you are out of this because we've been talking for months, but just for other people that are watching this so they can understand how we're, what we're coming from. So, just so they don't say, well, you didn't say that thing. I'm, I'm just covering some remedial stuff. You don't need it, but a lot of other people might because they haven't been having these conversations that we have. So that being said, I feel like that's the first spot. The second thing is if you are out of the learning phase and if it's the only campaign you're running and if that is every sales pitch that you're that you're um, if that is every single sales pitch that you're addressing, if you have it well diversified, then I would say maybe your solution is to not have one dynamic creative ad set inside of the one campaign rule them all strategy if you have several different type of sales pitches that are all organized by different ad sets so you have your organized by concept then you might be able to uh diversify that risk and if you've done it on um if you've done that and you have multiple pieces and that's your current setup Maybe what you can do is try to cherry pick the best pieces from everything and make one dynamic creative that's just your absolute stud winners. It's like the creative test winners of dynamic creative in its own dynamic creative to try to make that work. Um, honestly, I don't know exactly your setup, uh, but feel free to DM me. With me. I, we've been talking for a long, long time. Um, and uh, I'd love to know like what it is that you're doing and what slight tweak we can address because these these – this advice works for 80% of the people 80% of the time, and all of it generally needs a little bit of a tweak for each individual situation. So it feels like you're really, really close, but there's something that is just getting in the way. Um, so let's let's chat and, and we'll get we'll we'll figure out whatever that one thing is that we need to slightly just tweak to make sure that we get things working for you, man. Because because I want you to succeed, man. Like I want you to succeed. I want you to see success. I, I want this to work for you. So let's figure out what is the little thing that we need to get taken care of to really see success for you. Um, and, and the honest truth is I'm very confident we're going to get there. I just need to know what steps you're taking so that we can figure out what adjustments to make so that we can get you to success. Um, and I stand by the, the thinking and the logic. And if, if um, we can take a look at where each piece is, I'm almost certain that we're going to be able to find the niche in there to really, not the niche, the 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 slight pivot from the words on the page to the letter, not just saying the letter of the law, but also the spirit of it, how we can apply it into your situation. Um, so let me know, Boonmi. I'd love to help you out, my man. All right. This question comes from Simon. It's not really a question. 
He's just making a point. Automated rules are not working properly nowadays. You're correct, Simon. Um, I posted about this several times on, on Instagram and Twitter, um, but maybe I need to do something on YouTube. But basically right now, because of the way that Facebook had to realign the data, we're seeing automated rules affected in three ways. Now, I brought this to the Facebook reps like the day after iOS 14 launched. And then like there was an internal meeting at the disruptor group and then it went out to reps and agencies and stuff. So yes, automated rules are being affected right now. And really that's based around three different things. Number one, automated rules and you built them were built around a certain attribution model. And because the attribution model inside the platform has changed and that you can't address each individual one differently, if it doesn't match to the way that it was built, it won't apply anymore. So for instance, if your ad set is running on a seven day click, one day view, but your rule was written on a one day click, it doesn't trigger anymore. Number two, because we're seeing delayed uh, conversion information built around that privacy concern, rules are not running in the same way because Facebook is receiving data in piecemeal. So intraday rules, stuff that are working on the same day is not working the way that it was originally designed. And honestly, we're probably gonna have to sunset that in, as, an, as a complete strategy. We're not gonna have that luxury anymore. And if that does happen, it means that like, I'm gonna have to make a new ebook to basically say, here are the old things that I said you should do. And here's what you need to do now because that stuff is out of date. And, and honestly, like I, I find it's a responsibility for me to do that, which kind of maybe sets me apart from some other people. Um, and, I, and, I, and I won't get into those folks. If you want to know my opinion on that, you can just follow me on Twitter or Instagram and, and you can see um, my opinions about people who I feel like lack integrity. All right. So third thing about automated rules not working properly right now is because Facebook is still trying to internally address how they're getting data in, the internal database, the way that it's processing data is currently in flux so that they can update the UI and the reporting methodology. And basically what that means is the way that the automated rules are pulling data from the internal database is being adjusted. So there is going to be some flux in how we appropriate them, which ultimately gets us down to right now, automated rules may or may not work properly. They may or may not be benefits to your system. So there's a lot of moves that we need to make right now. And honestly, my best suggestion to you is I would really think about what of these rules do we need and which ones do we not need? I think we've been leaning on automated rules a lot and I can 100% call myself out. Like I used to, I still stand by the idea that automated rules are really good because they allow you to do work for you. However, um, if you run your campaign in a way where you don't need them, then there's an ability to not require them. And honestly, this is a place where I'm solving problems with complexity and I need to figure out how to solve that with simplicity. And that is a massive challenge where I need to take my own advice. So I hear you. Um, I'm trying to not be terribly reactionary to something where we know that it won't be long-term, but if we can solve for this problem in a way where we don't need to use those tools because we're not relying on those tools to justify complexity in our ad account, then we won't ever need them and that will create us a, a more long-term level of success. So short answer is Simon. I hear you. I see you. We are four to, we're three to five weeks away from the update inside of the internal database on how they're factoring in their, basically their giant pivot table from their Excel spreadsheet. But we don't know exactly what that looks like. We do not have a set date. And between now and then automated rules may or may not work. Um, and so I would really take a look at where do I need them and where do I not need them and where I have applied them. What is my business objective there that I might be able to solve differently or I might be able to create an ecosystem that does not require that rule to run because I'm solving the problem differently. And that's where the real challenge is. 
That's where the real, real big challenge is. And the honest truth is I'm not selling people on a solution yet because I haven't done something with enough. Uh, I, I have not run enough tests to confidently say I've got a solution that works for most of the people most of the time in a way that I can solve for if you do fall outside of that uh, bell curve. So I'm not presenting a solution right now. I'm just telling you my solution that I'm getting to will ultimately be to understand where have I tried to use automated rules to allow me to be more complex than maybe I needed to be? And what can I do to fundamentally shift the way that I'm strategizing so that I don't need them? And that is, I mean, that's going to be tough, but like, that's the work. That's the real work that we should be doing. And um, I'm committing to you and to everybody else. Like I'm actually in the weeds right now with that work. And um, ultimately I think it's going to come down to how do we just not need them? Um, but I don't know exactly what that looks like. I've got a lot of ideas, but I have not run it with enough money and enough verticals and enough situations to confidently tell you what that looks like. So that is me, Simon, saying I've got some work to do. And I appreciate you calling that out because I've been trying to say that for a long time, but um, I don't know if, if everybody's hearing it. So I will say it again. All right. Uh, Jared here just saying nice things. The Patreon course is where it's at. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. I am, uh, I'm working on something, Jared. Don't you worry. I'm less than 30 days away from releasing something that I think will, well, hopefully, um, completely take the wind out of the sails of a predatory used car salesman culture that defines the majority of the toxic environment that is the entire ad agency model when it comes to digital marketing, especially in Facebook. So we're going to see. I've got very lofty goals and 100% confident I'm going to hit them. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, remember, if you're in Clubhouse and you want to ask a question, you can raise your hand. But I've got some more things here. We've got three, two more questions inside of the YouTube. And then, of course, I have to make my time available because we are live in the Slack channel. If you want to join the Slack group, you can go to the Patreon. And remember, because if you do the homework and if it's Mother's Day, you can just let me know because you get 50% off joining that Slack group. And honestly, that's not going to last very long. And you're probably going to ROI in it in like a week. So you might as well do it now if you're at any sort of scale. I highly recommend it. But I'm not here to sell myself. I'm here to answer your questions and be as helpful as I can. So your music host, love it. When uh, I'm a musician, obviously it's here too. Uh, that's not no music. That's just, I need to make better decisions and that's music. And honestly, I'm not very aesthetic. So I did not plan out my tattoos very well. Anyway, when's a good idea to start sacrificing efficiency for growth? Love it. Here's when you sacrifice efficiency to grow. If your target cost is 50 and you get yourself down to 45 or 40, what you've done is you built yourself headroom for growth. This is how we scale. This is actually how you're supposed to scale an ad account. This has been what we've been preaching for years. And, and let me um, really get down to the execution here. Budget estimated action rate, right? If you see efficiency, if you raise your budget by 20%, your cost is not going to increase by 20%. It might increase by five or by 10. And my point here is, if you give yourself 10 or 20% headroom on your target cost, you can spend up to take advantage of that efficiency and still come in below your target. So you make a move and then you let things settle and then you make another move. Or what you can do is say, hey, look, I'm good. I'm just going to make a small move every day until I get to a point where I'm uncomfortable. But the idea there is you can scale your spend because you've already scaled your efficiency to the point where the liability for your growth is that you're not taking enough advantage of the opportunity you've created. So that's when I would say it's a great idea to start sacrificing efficiency for growth. When you defeat, when you have surpassed your efficiency goal in a way that is stable, projectable, and you have high confidence in, and then spend into that efficiency. And ultimately, you'll sacrifice some of it 
but you'll get more growth. And that's where you get your top line and your bottom line growth as a brand. And that's how you really grow things. That's how you fundamentally change your ecosystem from, you know, a hundred bucks a day or a thousand a day or 5,000 a day into a situation where you can be a thousand a day or 10,000, or I'm talking to some people and we're trying to get to 50 grand a day. And, and, and it all comes from that core mentality of let me establish efficiency and then let me spend into the opportunity that I've created because my biggest liability is not taking advantage of it. So anyway, uh, your music host, that's what I would say. All right. Awesome. Um, next question comes from Aaron Pearson thoughts on collection ads for DTC clothing boutiques who have many constant changes with inventory and product. Now this is a big issue. And, and Aaron, you and I have been in DMS a long time. Um, and, and I love this question because I actually get it from a lot of different people a lot. Um, and you've actually been really helping me in, in trying to strategize this stuff because I have somebody that I'm talking to regularly, right? Um, so the idea here is if you have inventory that is constantly changing, where you're not able to run an evergreen ad account based around selling the same product, you have basically two options. One, you can sell the brand, right? Like Nasty Gal, for instance, like they sold the brand and you go there and be like, oh, I really love this brand. What's available right now, right? Supreme is another example of that. Um, the other option is running dynamic running dynamic ads, right? Um, so like DPA ads or collection ads where you feature different products, knowing that each one of those products may or may not be available. And, and what I'll say is I 100% support this. And the biggest brands in the world doing this right now are like eBay. eBay has been doing this for years. Um, and it's really built around like if you have a dynamic catalog, if you have a catalog that is constantly changing, all you need to do is then try to target the individuals that are going to respond well to your brand. And if you're doing that, then you really need to decide, are you going to try to use your dynamic ads for prospecting uh, for, for broad audiences? Or are you going to try to do it in, in, in retargeting where you're trying to capitalize the attention you're already getting? My suggestion is I would 100% do broad retargeting and broad audiences and see where ultimately it works best for you because you need to get that campaign and those ad sets out of the learning phase as much as you can. Um, and some people don't have that luxury. And if you don't have the luxury of getting out of the learning phase, you're probably going to have to focus further and further down the funnel because Facebook ultimately you're not using it to create intent. You're using it to close the loop. Um, and in those situations, uh, you know, you might have to go with, with some mid or bottom funnel as your audience. And basically you think of your broad audience, your prospect, your top of funnel is not strangers. Your top of the funnel might be folks that already know who you are. And that's fine. It's just a fundamental shift in, in the definition of what the top of the funnel, of what your prospecting is. If you're prospecting only amongst people that already know who you are, that's okay. Like it's, it's just a shift on how you want to call. Cause none of these are actually like set in stone, like laws. They're just what you decide to call things. So this is where I like to call things broad retargeting. I would maybe go in the broad retargeting route. If you can only afford one ad set, do that. And then see if you need to go further down or if it's effective enough that you can go up. Um, but start in the middle and try to figure out a spot where I'm getting consistent results on a regular basis where I understand what's happening and then take a look at your, uh, results, when you break down delivery by product ID, and you can really start to see what types of products do people respond well to inside of the dynamic ads. And that's some feedback you can give to the client so they can set you up for more success so that you can grow their business. And I think every client will be really, really happy that you're giving them that sort of business intelligence. 
Um, and if they're not happy about it, well, I mean, hey, look, you can over deliver all day. And if they don't appreciate it, well, then they're just another one of the clients that we've all dealt with. Uh, so hopefully that's helpful to you, Aaron. Love the picture, by the way. And uh, happy Mother's Day to you and yours. All right. Last question we have here comes from Sam Once. We cannot see reporting on Add to Cart. Initiate checkout purchases on Dynamic Creative. Is there a way around that or should we just stop using DCO? Um, Sam, regardless, I wouldn't stop using DCO unless you've proven that DCO is a worse ad set. You don't need insight if the performance is better. Um, you don't necessarily need to see all of these items if the net result is that your dynamic creative is performing better than something else. So the best suggestion I can give to you about 30% of the time, if you go out and you start to break out like unique or you break out like website, not just results, but like purchases, then you, you have the option of like website purchases, offline purchases, all of that stuff. Click all of those buttons and also click unique versus total, all of those things. About 30 to 40% of the time, that's going to bring you in additional data, right? That, that'll, that'll unmask things because you're not relying on Facebook to collate data. You're giving single data points. Um, if that still doesn't work, then the best thing I would do is just try to remove the things that aren't getting spent. Have it rely on the best available, on the highest confidence choices that it's making. And built on that, if the dynamic creative is still not doing well, then I would just reestablish, like, what's my biggest piece here? If my, if my dynamic creative is not performing well, then the thing that it is leaning on the most is a liability. We can still take directional information and strategize around that. And, and that's what I would do. Uh, but ultimately, like, look, if your dynamic creative uh, ad set or campaign is outperforming other pieces, I don't care if I can see it. I know if I spend a dollar here, it's going to give me better than if I spend a dollar over here. So what I need to do is stop spending money over here and then let this thing continue to do well. And maybe I'll take money from this column and throw it over into this column and I'll still be in a better spot. So that's what I would do, Sam, is um, that itemized data is a luxury. When it goes away, we still can rely on core business objectives and core business strategies. And um, yeah, so I would rely on those until we get through this. And then it's only going to be a couple of weeks. The world's not ending. I wouldn't abandon the things that are best practices just because you can't utilize the data in the way that we'd like to, because it doesn't actually mean that the data or the performance is undesirable. And if it is undesirable, well, then you already know your answer because optimizing that ad set probably isn't going to get you to the result that you want. And if you can project, like if I, like if I, if you're 20, 30, 40% off, your goal, then there's no optimization you're going to make that's going to get you there. Um, but also look at the look at the trajectory of that ad set of that dynamic creative week over week. Like, is it getting better and better and better? If it is, then maybe you just keep letting it go because it's not what you're building your business on, but it's the thing that's getting better and better over time. And the lessons you learn from that are ultimately going to be able to inform your next bit of positioning and your next bit of growth. Because dynamic creative generally on day one isn't the thing you build your business on. But by month two, month five, year two, it's going to be the thing that drives the most amount of your success and intelligence inside of your business because it's the thing that best utilizes the tools in the way they were designed to be used. Okay. So with that, man, that was a that was a great hour. Uh, I'm going to call it. So um, if you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. 
Um, I'm on Twitter, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram. It's CT the Disruptor. And on YouTube, it's the Facebook Disruptor. Check out FacebookDisruptor.com. If you're still watching or listening or whatever, you can use the discount code MOM and get 50% off the course, 50% off any of the eBooks, or I've also made available on the Patreon 50% off the Slack channel or just the regular Patreon. And um, you can find all of that by going to FacebookDisruptor.com. Patreon's on the top. The courses are on the top. The eBooks are on the top. Go check out those buttons and get yourself something so that we can find each other here next week. And you're happier and happier and seeing more and more successes with less and less stress. And we're just going to get there together. And that we're going to get there together. So anyway, thank you very much, everybody. I've got five minutes before I get to go onto the Slack group and I got to get my stuff organized. So I will see you guys next week. Remember, we're here every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And until next time, I'll uh, see you on the internet. Bye.